In the season four premiere, we discuss the importance of advocacy in the autism community and steps you can take as a parent to help create a more autism inclusive world for your child. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Hey everyone, welcome back to season four, the premiering episode. And this theme is. Oh gosh, don't quiz me. Oh, um, no. Come on. It's like. I've been working on the railroad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I know like the concept of like rolling up your sleeves and like getting down to work. Uh huh. But I don't know what the. T- work to be done. <laughs> I, I, I had a word in there. <laughs> you work, fail. Work is the you word. You get of the slimed. Day, so. <laughs> <laughs> we totally did not time this episode to drop at this time. We just kind of plan it out what a year in advance and then it falls where it falls. That's and it true. so happens that our episode on advocacy falls on the first day of autistic pride month or autism awareness <laughs> month or autism acceptance month. It just depends what but, you call but it. But most importantly, it falls on April Fool's. So is this a joke or are we for oh, real? I didn't even think about that. Bingo. Does this episode even exist? <laughs> is it is it real? Uh, is it all hallucination? Unfortunately, you are listening to us, so it exists. <laughs> I guess you could say we are kind of a joke in that uh, sense. There we go. So season four. <laughs> okay. So so today's episode, we really wanted to focus on advocacy, which again, falls in line perfectly with Autism Acceptance Month, which by the way, is the phrase I choose to use. There's a lot of debate over whether you call it Autism Awareness, Autism Acceptance, or Autistic Pride Month. Honestly, it's up to you. Call it whatever you want. I chose Autism Acceptance Month because I do feel like there is a lack of autism awareness, but I don't feel like awareness should be the end goal. I feel like it's really about acceptance because you can be aware of somebody being autistic, but that doesn't really do much, honestly, to help. No, I agree. I like uh, autism acceptance because it's not only like, oh, I'm aware that my classmate is autistic. We've gone through conversations. We've fully accepted everything about him. He is my friend, Gerald, let's say, rather than like, oh, yeah, there's a kid whose name is Gerald and I think he has autism, but you don't really know like in depth. I feel like acceptance is like a hug, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure if that makes sense, but like... Like the difference between saying, I acknowledge that you are present in the room and I would like to engage with you and accept you as one of our own. Well, I feel like based on like acceptance versus... What was the other one? Awareness. Awareness. I feel like one is like a high five and the other one is more of like a hug. Like you're embracing versus like you're acknowledging. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you're just kind of... Like no- brushing, yes. it, brushing it off. Like, okay, we, we do it just for the heck of it. And then that's kind of it. Like to me, awareness is just like the minimal, which I understand that that's still better than nothing. Well, it's still a starting point just to know like, okay, what autism is? Like, what is autism? But I feel like to kind of go more into it is where you kind of get to the acceptance component. Yeah. So like, to me, I'm like, if if you want to celebrate autism awareness, that's great. As long as like, you're not stopping at awareness, and we're still continuing to build those relationships and understanding. And I think somebody who actually talked about this very well was Summer in the Embracing Autism IRL podcast. Yeah, that was actually a really good one. I, I really like the work that she's doing with the kind theory. And, and she started, I mean, as far as her advocacy, it started very grassroots, very local and kind of moving from there. So, I mean, I really think she's doing a phenomenal job. It really literally was just a mom who's like, I'm going to write to the mayor. <laughs> she, yeah, she called up the mayor to make the change that she wanted. And they said, okay. Sure. And, and then here's some money. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's great. 
Yeah. So if you didn't catch that episode, that was the bonus episode of the last, I think the last season. And then we also had the video of that on YouTube. Our YouTube series right now, you can find it if you type in the phrase embracing autism IRL and you will see all of our live videos that we do with guests. But she was on there and she was talking about advocacy. And that really got us thinking about advocacy work and more that we can do for society. Because I know we obviously started with Autism Wish and we started with our little charity initiative. And then, of course, we started this podcast. But we are trying to kind of go beyond that and see what else we can do, which is one of the reasons why we started the Embracing Autism IRL podcast, because now we're reaching out to autistic adults, physicians, therapists, all sorts of people who are all interconnected by autism in one way or another. And I would say our approach, similar to that of Summer, is very localized. Yeah, we could have gone the route of writing our senator representative and trying to say like, hey, we need more funding for like autism, which may or may not have been met with a form letter where it's like, oh, thank you for like your letter. It was good to read from a constituent and keep up the good work. And he would know because he used to be heavily involved in writing (laughs) those letters and saying no to people. Right. You basically phrase it so you you show them that they're heard. But then as far as any type of promise for money, that's kind of, yeah, not really... Right. So this episode's all about like, well, what can we do? We're just parents. What can we do to make the world a more autism friendly, inclusive place for our child? And a lot of people feel like there really is not much you can do, that you're kind of like at the mercy of politicians. And that really is not the case. Matt and I are very strong advocates for local because at the local level is when you can make the biggest impact. And it's where you know people. You know the guy who works at your grocery store. You know the guy that you see every day when you go and pick up your kid from school. Like, you know the people in your local community. So there's already more likelihood of you getting some sort of buy-in into trying to get some sort of advocacy work completed within your local community. And we already ran the statistics. I mean, I think it was last year as far as how often autism is coming up in both men and women. And I think it was about like, I think it was like one in 54 children are diagnosed with autism. That recently updated. I thought that was 2020. I think think now it's one in 44. But my thing is, if you talk to enough people in your local community, sooner or later, you're bound to find someone who knows an autistic child, has a a nephew, a cousin, anyone who knows or has some type of connection with autism. I mean, I'm just thinking about like on my personal level at work, a lady I used to work with, she told me that her nephew was autistic and we got to talking just kind of on a one-to-one level about different things that we've observed. It's very personable. You're having a connection built with this person on a one-to-one level. And then I'm able to say like, oh, if they're interested, please like look into some of the podcast episodes we have. And that can be beneficial moving forward. So rather than kind of going, oh, I'm going to try and reach out and work on a government level or like a state level. If you focus on the community right next door, your neighbor, it means more and you can kind of start off and do a more grassroots approach. Yeah. And honestly, like I said, that's how we've been able to fund Autism Wish. Every every Christmas Wish drive that we do, it's been through reaching out with our local community. One of the people who became a sponsor was a local law office Where that's right like, across the we street. We can throw a rock and hit their front door. Right. So, so like, <laughs> it, you know. Some people would be like, well, you know, what does the law office have to do with autism? Because the standard is like, oh, an ABA clinic might do it or a speech therapy clinic might do it. But you got to kind of think outside of the box because there's a lot of people who are interested in helping in autism and you don't really know unless you ask. You even mentioned the other day, the big thing that we don't realize is you never know unless you ask. Sure, it can be a person who's a stranger in the community. 
but you don't know what their heartstrings are connecting to autism. Maybe they have a hole in their heart because of something autism related or something else that they've struggled with their life and you just needed to have the conversation. So by opening up the door and basically just having the conversation, you don't know what there is. I mean, the worst they can say is no. And I mean, you're no better or worse off than you were before. And if you are the type of person who does feel comfortable going out there on the streets and advocating for your child or advocating for the autistic community, there's some simple things that you could do in your local neighborhood, in your local area. One of those things is to try to advocate for more inclusive parks. So for our park, for example, one of the things that I would love to advocate for is fencing it in because our park does not have a fence. And when you have eloping children, it's really difficult, especially when you have two children. So as it is right now, we can't bring our kids unless both of us are there. So even though I might have the time to bring them to the park and it's open and they want to, I can't do it simply because it's not fenced in. So something like that where you go door to door asking people to sign a petition to see if you can get this local park fenced in, something like that could make a potential life altering difference. You could literally save an eloping child's life. Even if the person you're talking to, your next door neighbor, doesn't have a child or know a child that has autism or any other type of disability and they have neurotypical children, there's no negative impact to having a fenced-in park. Their child can still use the park as normal and it in no way impacts them. But by doing that, they could be making a huge difference in someone else's life. Right. And there's a bunch of things like that that are very minimal impact to anyone else, but make a huge impact to those who need it. Another one that I had saw that it never even crossed my mind because our children are so little, but there's people now starting to advocate for having changing tables that are adaptable for adults. And that's because when you have like an adult autistic individual who might be on the lower functioning end, you might need to change them. And when you're out there in public and there's no changing table that will accommodate them, what do you do? You're out of luck. So advocating for those sorts of things, trying to get funding so that the family restrooms are accessible to these children. And the other thing you could do is you could also advocate by creating local connections, something as simple and as free as creating a local parenting Facebook group could make a world of difference. Because I know we right now are in the middle of a move. And when I went to scope out the area we're moving to, I realized there was no local Facebook group for that community for autism parents. I had created one here where we're currently at. And so I was like, okay, let me go ahead and create a group there because for me personally, I need to find other autism parents. Like that's a need for me because I need to be able to find my people and be able to find kids that my kids can play with. And if I had not done that, I would not have known that there were literally at least a hundred other parents in that area. So for me, I mean, I'm I'm online as well. However, I didn't have to necessarily create a dad's autism group. My component was basically joining one that already existed. But then any chance I can, if there's questions or anyone needs help, I'm the first one to try and help out, give any type of suggestion that I've personally seen or worked through with our girls, trying to aid dads who are just kind of coming into the world of autism and kind of help each other out. So, I mean, it is a different environment. So, I mean, obviously you're <laughs> the creator or leader of the group and I'm just kind of like one of the like little peons or little pawns in the Yeah, but to <laughs> group, be fair, but... this is like a local meetup group. Okay. And I feel like just from my experience, women tend to do that a little more than men from what I've seen. I guess guys don't like to get together and hang out and talk about their kids. <laughs> no, and, and I was going to say, and, and most of the time, like 
when I go into the dad's group, like we do have like deep conversations, but sometimes like they'll post like a funny meme or something that's like about like cars or something. And like, <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of a different environment, but, um, but it's also good because it kind of lets the dads kind of relax a little bit and kind of like, oh, like I can joke around about like cars or whatever, but you're finding a community that is rooted in the same cause of, okay, we're here because our, our children are autistic, but we can still enjoy life as well. And if you do feel like you are the type of person who has the calling to make a bigger splash and get involved in the political realm, there is always that extra level of being more involved in your local level. So things you can start small with is like Board of Education. Do you feel like your public school system is accommodating special needs children sufficiently? If you don't, there are Board of Education meetings that you can attend and you can speak at on behalf of those children. You can go ahead and tell them what your concerns are in public. And that goes on the record. So there's things like that that you can do if you are more passionate about that sort of thing. If you feel like you're being called to do so, you can get more political about it and see if you can go ahead and encourage your local government to create some sort of autism advocacy board or something. Like You can get really ambitious if you would like. But if you are like most parents of autistic and special needs kids and you don't have a whole lot of time to be doing that sort of stuff, you could start small. I mean, something as simple as creating a Facebook group, a local, what do they call like a connection group at a church or things sure. like that to kind of get that ball rolling. Or if you're crafty, I mean, I see a lot of postings online where not necessarily from the dad's group, but some of the moms will create like, I don't know, lanyards or like stickers or like t-shirts or like just anything for like autism awareness. So, I mean, that also kind of spreads the word there as well. What are you talking about? I am sure there's a dad who is knitting little crochet hoodies for poodles. <laughs> there, there could be. In the name of I did. I did see. It's funny that you mentioned that. I did see today that a dad had posted a tie with like all like the bright colors for like the different like puzzle pieces or whatever. And I was like, wow, that's very bright. And I, cause I'm more of like a, like more like neutral color, but I was like, wow, that really like shines. But so, I mean, there are like things that like dads would wear like a tie or something that support autism. So, I mean, that that's one thing there because I mean, the people that would see you wearing a tie supporting autism awareness would be the people you work with. So that right there is starting at a local level and would open the conversation to anyone that you run into at work because they'd be like, wow, that's a really interesting tie. What is it about? And then right there, that opens the door to having a conversation about autism. Another thing that you can do is like I slightly mentioned, is getting involved with your local church or your local like rec center and anything that you do locally as a community and see if there's anything that you can do to create more of that awareness or acceptance. If, if you are, for example, involved in church or involved in some sort of organization that meets physically in a building where you bring your child, perhaps advocating for something as simple as a sensory room or some sort of training for the staff so that they are aware of autism and aware of the needs of these children. Another thing that you could do, also easy and free, you could go to your local police station, go to your local fire department, and offer them a free one-on-one where you talk to them about autism and explain to them how you might want to approach an autistic child or adult differently than a neurotypical child. Allow them to understand what autism means and in the full scope of things and in context. Give them alternatives as to how they should potentially communicate with autistic children like yours. You can feel free to even introduce them to your child. If you feel like your child would be comfortable with that, it would be good going both ways because then your child could get comfortable with law enforcement. But just little things like that would help bring more awareness and acceptance of autism in your local community. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think of uh, super cheesy, but I always think of like the, uh, the quote, like make the change that you want to see. So basically be the change that you want to see in the world. Just like, what is it? Michael Jackson says in his song where he's, I don't remember an autism song. No, but he's like, um, starting with the man in the mirror where he's like, wants to like change. Uh, That's a really good song. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. Well, anyway, like he wants to change himself because that's how like obviously. And he did. <laughs> that's how you change the world. Okay. So kind of off topic <laughs> Michael Jackson, but, um, but yeah, basically be the change that you want to see. We each do a small part. I mean, that'll definitely move the needle in the right direction. The other thing to think about is that when we are doing advocacy work, our children, for the most part, are seeing that. They're seeing that we're fighting for their rights. They're seeing that we're trying to make the world a better place for them. And I think instinctively, that will help their self-esteem because they feel cared for. They feel loved for. They feel like you're fighting for them. Again, I would say to be sensitive about it because you don't necessarily want to go around disclosing their diagnosis to everyone, right? Like so putting you, them on like a float or something. and like Yes, like please do not put them on a banner and be like, autism acceptance, here's my child's face. That's probably not the best way to go about it, but you could get them involved if they feel like they want to. If you feel like they are the type of autistic child who can understand what's going on and they are willingly consenting to it, then yeah, sure. If they want to be a part of it and like help be the face of that, then go for it because that's just character building. But again, if they're not comfortable with that or they're not aware enough of what's going on, I would probably just let them stay home and make sure that that's something that you do kind of in the background so that they don't feel kind of awkward about it. So just kind of depends on the relationship you have with your child and their understanding of everything. Well, because every situation is different. So I mean, obviously, yeah, gauge how your child feels about it. And then like, that'll kind of direct you one way or the other, like, okay, how much should I bring them into this or not necessarily? Because I mean, we advocate, I mean, because our daughters are young, we advocate a lot of like our podcasts. I mean, we talk about them, but we don't, we don't say anything about them specifically. We don't really show a whole lot of like photos or anything. I mean, we, we kind of keep, I mean, yeah, we don't even say their names. (laughs) (laughs) Oldest, youngest. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if anyone's noticed. I'm sure they have. (laughs) Or they just think that it's like new age and that's their names. But yes, there's so much that you could do for advocacy. And really, it's all about what you feel comfortable with, what you have time for, and what your heart kind of wants you to do. Because I know for me, my heart was super drawn to Autism Wish. That's something that I feel very passionate about in starting these podcasts. Not everybody's going to feel that same passion for a podcast or for Autism Wish. So you do what you feel drawn to. If you are an artist, then perhaps through your art, you can do some sort of advocacy work, maybe paint some sort of mural somewhere in your local community that helps depict autism and challenges in a certain way, or like, I don't know, whatever it is that you do, just getting creative with that and bringing that to the world. You said it perfectly. If you're creative, I mean, think of ways that you can utilize whatever skills you have to kind of bring out the advocacy for autism within. And of course, there's a ton of other ways that you can advocate for your child through the education system. You could advocate for their rights. You could advocate for them. If you're taking them to the park and you feel like they're not treating your kids sufficiently, like that's a moment to advocate. Any moment where you have an interaction with another human being is an opportunity for advocacy. But I think the other thing we need to be careful of is when we are advocating, we have to make sure that we're not being aggressive and we're not being overly assertive to the point where we are othering the person that we're talking to or we're making them feel bad about themselves. You want to make sure that when you're advocating, you're advocating with love and you're advocating with an open heart and open mind. And 
it's kind of like a gateway to a dialogue. So if you're shutting down conversation by being confrontational, that's not going to be effective advocacy. You want to be able to draw the person in. And the only way you could do that is if they gain your trust and you're able to have open conversation without fear of any sort of like retaliation. No, you do raise a good point as far as like, I mean, obviously not being aggressive or like forceful upon someone because I mean, honestly, no one likes that. (laughs) Um, But also, I mean, even if you encounter someone who's never heard of autism, I wouldn't take that as an insult. I mean, I would take it as an opportunity. Give them the benefit of the doubt that, okay, they might not have the experience, the knowledge of how to interact with your child, but use it as a learning opportunity. I mean, never assume negative intent upon someone until you actually know that that's the true intent. That's basically our two cents. There's a lot that comes with advocacy. There's a ton of ideas. You can honestly just Google the phrase autism advocacy, and there's so much that you could possibly do. If you feel called to it, do it. And if you don't, then perhaps just help and support those who do. That's all we really have on this topic for today. But this is just something that I feel like is really important to keep in mind during Autism Acceptance Month. Yeah, I think it's a great way to kick it off. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. In this episode, we mentioned how autism advocacy can come from the smallest of changes, like organizing a local autism parent group to larger outreach efforts, such as contacting your senator and advocating for political change. However, the most important thing is to simply be willing to engage with your local community in a compassionate way as you fight for a better quality of life for your autistic child. Tune in next episode as we discuss autism in school and answer questions such as, How can I make the transition to school easier for my autistic child? What are some things that I should advocate for in my child's IEP? And how can I help my child's teacher see them as more than a diagnosis? This is Embracing Autism.